Hey, Linux Journal readers. I'm Catherine Druckmann. Today, I'm talking to Doc Searles, our editor-in-chief. And that's it. It's just the two of us, which is kind of fun. We're going to maybe we revisit. Feel, some we of these. feel lonely. I know. It's weird, <laughs> right? We don't <laughs> um, But it's nice because, because it gives us an opportunity to sort of revisit some of the things we've talked about since we started this podcast back in, was it October, I think? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's... Yeah. Uh, and it's it's a happening and it's um in this case it's journalism and it's because of um a, a really interesting piece that um somebody somebody sent me or it was sent to a list i was on um about a site called the spinner and uh they're at i think the spinner.net but if you go to my blog which is um my personal blog which is at doc.searles.com. That's the, uh, it's at a longer Harvard address, but that's the, uh, the, the, the redirectable one. Um, and I, I wrote a piece this morning called The Spinner's Hack on Journalism. And the interesting thing is that the, the spinner is, is this, it, it, it is not more, I don't think there's ever been anything that is more clickbait, worse clickbait, which is here's a site, the purpose of which is to get your, your lover to have sex with you or somebody to settle a lawsuit or if, if, if you want to hack the brain of some other person in some way, um, you hire this, this outfit and they will do this weird thing. They will give you, like, say you want your, your uh, lover to stop smoking. They'll send you a, a link that to a, a fake, a fake website, but it's an innocuous story, um, a fake news story about about something that you know this other person would be interested in. Then they acquire a cookie um, that they carry around with them uh, because they went to that fake website. And especially on Facebook, and maybe only on Facebook, they then start getting redirected um, editorials and ads that are all about um, stopping smoking, but in a, in a subtle way, presumably. I've never seen how this works. But the whole idea is that you is that the spinner uses the system called ad tech, which is tracking-based advertising, in order to hack other people. And, and of course, lots and lots of journalists stepped up. You know, So the Rolling Stone had a piece that says, new service promises to manipulate your wife into having sex with you. And um, the Financial Times had, inside the spinner, a real-life inception project. And... Um, <clears throat> and uh, uh, let's see, the uh, Forbes had one that for $29, this man will help manipulate your loved one, ones with targeted Facebook and browser links. Another one is about brainwashing. Another one is, uh, two of them are about brainwashing that I looked at. Uh, uh, you know, ad tech for sex biz tells blockchain consent app firm, hold my beer. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> <a good> <laughs> service promises. You know, they're all, you know, you know, there's one called the, the Faustian bargain of anonymized data, and yet another. One. I'm looking at the Cambridge Analytica of sex. Okay, and all of these ones, uh, most of them are not very deep. They they mention that there's this guy named Elliot Sefter or Seffler, uh, who's behind it, and um, and that it appears to be a real business. But only one, you know, and I've looked at. Oh, dozens of these things um, going back to last August. Uh, they've run off and on since then, uh, where uh, this one PR guy basically decided to dig in. He tried to contact this guy 
uh, found out his uh, in, indeed Elliot Sefter is a pseudonym. His real name is Habib something. He's actually from he's supposedly an Israeli slash Turkish citizen or maybe not. Um, living uh, in Germany, apparently. Living in Germany and a citizen of the world. <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, and and may actually be the guy who's on the fake video that uh, that you can find through various links on the website that that is a fake news story about this thing that looks like one of those fake news stories with with the blue background and the person the news person sitting behind a desk and uh the green screen and all of it and um and and he has an interesting accent this guy uh and and which the um the reporter who's a pr guy uh interestingly um his name is Rich. I'm trying to remember his last name. It's a, I have it in my talk here somewhere in my in my piece. Um, f- f- you know, figured out the guy was wearing the same tie in two different scenes. So it was the same guy. Uh, but, um, you know, this guy, Rich, is, he realized that the that the thing is real or appears to be real. It, it's not really clear. The important thing, though, to me is that all of them. All of these reporters, you know, it, it was pure misdirection. I mean, it looks to me like the thing was made. If I wanted to make a, if I wanted to bait journalists into covering something, the real subject of which is how they make money, how the journalists make money, I would invent something like the spinner because it's bait. It's pure clickbait. It's pure like cover this story. You know, it's, it's like. Yeah. It's you know, irresistible. Click. I mean, it's, it's you such... can't stay away from it. It's irresistible, and 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 yet the you know it's not an elephant in the room. It, I mean, it really is sleight of hand. I mean, in, in the same way as as magic works by misdirection, um, this works by misdirection. It misdirects the journalist's attention to a a story that may or may not be true, but is terribly interesting. That's really about. Why is it that you can stalk people? Why is it that you can buy um, ways to hound a single human being with messages to make them have sex with you or quit smoking or drop the lawsuit against you? I think they have eight or ten different sort of, prof- you know, cookie cutter cases that they use. And, and, you know, why is it you can do that? And the reason you can do that is because of advertising and it's because of ad tech which is tracking based advertising that works entirely by stalking it is about stalking and every freaking one of these publications is funded by ad tech meaning that every time you look at any one of these stories you are getting a cookie from this magazine not for this scammer but for lots of advertisers that is attached to your digital body and you carry around announcing your presence at every site you go to so that the auction house in the background can, you know, can, you know, auction your attention to throw an ad in front of you based on what's known by following you around. This is pro forma all across the, the commercial web. And I should point out that the single only exception to this that I know of is Linux Journal. <laughs> so we can, you know, I, I, I just recently added to the bottom of the of the of the of the piece. I said, you know, that. You know, while the misdirection continues, it's away from the third rail that honest and brave journalists need to grab 
which is that ad tech is what feeds most of them. And I added that I'm being honest there, but not brave because I'm safe. I work for a publication. Yeah, uh, you know, we don't use ads at all. We don't use any form use of all anymore. And um, yeah. uh, well, I suppose any any website that doesn't use ads could could make the same claim. And there are some, but it's very uncommon. Certainly. Yeah, I, I the only other I mean the only one I know of for sure is is uh, is Medium. I mean Medium doesn't have advertising on it, and Medium doesn't track you, and Medium also doesn't have um, uh, respects do not track. If you have a do not track header uh, in your browser and you have it set to one, um, it can be zero or one. But when if you have the do not track signal turned on, um, it can you know. They will respect you and and not track you. Apparently, they're not doing it anyway beyond knowing you're logged in, and that's only it's for site use only. There's no cross-site anything going on with with Medium, as far as I know. Though it's become more complicated lately, so I don't know what they've a, they have a freemium model now with with a paid uh, a paid thing. So I I don't fully understand how it works, but I but I do know Ev Williams who runs it, and he's trying to be a good guy. He's one of the founders of Twitter. He's one of the reasons that Twitter does less tracking than most. They certainly track it inside their own service, but I don't know about outside it. They are using uh, some Google things for doing that. But that's, you know, but an, an interesting thing also with this is that um, just digressing on Do Not Track for a minute, um, Apple discontinued even having the Do Not Track setting in Safari, their browser. Because they say um, that it's just that it's yet another data point that could be used for fingerprinting. So uh, your browser is busy telling sites you go to stuff about you that are part of the proformas of browsers that, quite frankly, should all be turned off, in my opinion, which say, you know, I I am arriving using Ubuntu, you know, uh, version number, um, you know, you know, Chrome on this uh, or you know, some other or Firefox on this and and a version number and and coming from this place. I mean, there are all, there's all kinds of stuff that your browser reveals about you. And Apple just didn't want one more data point that allowed fingerprinting of of who you are. So and I think when so many dis, they don't res, so many um, don't respect the do not track request. Right. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the upside of having do not track on there is medium and not much else. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we look at it. I mean, it, I mean, no, no I mean, it's not, it's not even a setting. I think that that's available. Is it a, even a setting that's available on Drupal that, hi, I'm, I'm noticing you say do not no, track. No, that's, it's, yeah. it's used for, for other things and, and that we don't use anyway. So I guess, I mean, Drupal and WordPress and, and others, and, um, and then Google Analytics that we've talked about quite a lot among ourselves have, uh, yes. <laughs> might even go into that. Uh, that you know they they have a whole suite of things you can do with advertising, and and they all deal into the ad tech world. You know they all assume that you do that tracking people is normative, uh, it's accepted, it's okay, and uh, and you're doing that. And the GDPR is inconvenience that, but all you have to do is put a consent wall up in front of your site. And uh, and and get people to agree to it, and now you've got plausible deniability, and 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 you proceed. I think that's going to change, but in the meantime, that's that's the pro forma. And I just noticed on Twitter that um, Parmi Olson, who writes for Forbes, 
did reply. Uh, she's, I, I, I tweeted a link to all of the journalists. Um, uh, I thanked them, uh, you know, for, for, or I had tipped them. There are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, mm. eight, nine journalists who, whose pieces I sourced. And she wrote the most recent one, or one of the most recent ones for Forbes. And so she thanked me. So that's nice. Um, uh, but I haven't heard, I haven't heard from the rest of them. Now, it, um, Dan Gilmore did quote something I wrote in there. And Dave, D- Dave Weiner did respond by saying my CMS sucked. And, <laughs> and he, wasn't, he wanted a TLDR for the whole thing, which I admit it was too long. And, you know, a good example of if I had more time, I could have made it much shorter. Um, but you know, I think, but I, I've, I've called out many journalists in the past on this and, you know, and nobody's responded. No, almost nobody. I shouldn't say nobody. Um, you know, so maybe Parmi will go downstream <laughs> this thing. we'll yeah. see. So the thing that's interesting to me about, about this whole, this whole spinner story is yeah. the simplicity of it. I mean, it, <laughs> I, I know I it's really. I want it's to say that hack. I'm shocked that no one has done this before. That we know. I mean, I'm sure people do it all the time, right? But but that, that there is there aren't many spinners out there. You know, hey, give me thirty bucks and I'll I'll target one specific person. But because the simplicity is kind of, I mean, aside from the fact that it's completely distasteful. And but there are, there are many businesses and and that exist that are pretty distasteful. So, um, but yeah, the simplicity of it. I mean. It, I actually okay so so I not not for Linux Journal but I do have some experience <laughs> placing Facebook ads I, I I do the ad targeting for um, my roller derby leagues games wow so I do this <laughs> no so and I've you know it, every single time I do it I go in there you know especially you know coming from from where we're coming from in terms of, of privacy and whatnot um, every single time I go to set up an ad I am just alarmed. <laughs> And disturbed and creeped out by the kind of targeting that you can do through Facebook, and that's that's just that's just running a run-of-the-mill ad. We're not trying to, you know, manipulate a single person here. It, it's um, so so. What I'm getting at just is that it, this is not even a difficult task. I don't think. I mean, if if you start from the premise that that you can convince somebody to click on a link that you send them. It, there are there are so many many dangerous and nefarious things you can do with that, right? So, this is this is probably the the tip of the iceberg is being able to target ads to them, and it and my understanding is that it's not just Facebook, but by, by the way, I think it's um they're targeting them. Oh yeah, right. So Facebook just makes it easy. That's, that's... yeah. Facebook um Facebook makes it very easy. It makes it any easy for for literally anyone to set up really complex targeting. But yeah, so and something that that you mentioned earlier, also the fact that this same technology is what's supporting all of these sites that are reporting on, you know, reporting this great outrage. You know, we're we're so outraged that that um, these people are are using this tracking for for something perceived as as a negative, whereas this tracking is 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 what pays pays their salary and pays for their sites to exist. And I, I don't know. I haven't seen it in, in any other publications. But the Daily Beast actually specifically like mentioned that they they own it. They say, okay, here's how here's how this spinner thing works. You click this link, and suddenly you've got six cookies tracking you. And you know, and this guy wow. set it up for Outbrain articles and and in Google and um, Facebook and all of these various um, 
platforms to target you with their content, the content they want you to see 180 times so that you will change your mind um, about some topic, whether it's having sex with your husband or smoking or one I read said uh, some people hired them to convince a coworker they didn't like to quit their job. Anyway, so 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 there you go. So that's how it works. It's, it says cookies. And then but they go on in the next paragraph to say, hey, except by the way, you know, before you're too outraged by that, um, this very site you are reading is, is is adding double that number of cookies to track you to sell your advertising. And then they own it, um, you know, which is, you know, that, hey, you know, that's a step in the right direction. Right. First, the first step is admitting you have a problem. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I wasn't aware of that whole thing, and that's really interesting. I, I, part of what, um, you know, something that comes to me with this is is how, as the web has become more and more commercialized, or, you know, it's, that's not quite an accurate statement. It's really saying gravity has become much more and more, person, uh, you know, commercialized now that more stores are using it, you know. But, um, but, but the fact is that, you know, as we go across the web, it is so far, far from what Tim Berners-Lee designed in the first place, and and from the design imperatives of it. The original idea with original HTML, as he wrote it, as an alternative to SGML, which is too complicated. I mean, I I remember having arguments with people in the early '90s about HTML versus SGML, and and you know, like some of the companies I worked with said, oh, well, you need SGML because it's really you need all this complication in order to to have all the styling right for whatever it was you were you were marking up and and I said no 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 it has to be simple you know if you make it simple oh no but HTML is too simple well the whole idea was that you chose the font on the receiving end it's like I am getting a document all it's saying is that this is text <laughs> this is italic this is bold faced. It, and this is, you know, uh, this is this is a um, a right justified uh, um, uh, graphic, you know, IMG space SRC equals, you know, that that and there's a link to where the image is sourced and and it's generally inside because this is in dial up time. It wasn't externally sourced from out there on the web. It was always from a local directory of some kind. And and it was simple and it was so and it was fast. And and it worked, but it was all up to the the client. It was up to the receiver how this was going to be formatted. And now, you know, um, you know, I just looked at it. I realize now that the reason that Dave Weiner was comparing, uh, you know, had a problem with my CMS is that the text I copied and pasted had um, style elements in it: span, space, style equals font size colon right. eighteen point two pixels and so and i didn't see that because you know of the way my browser set up so i missed it i i thought i was just copying text but i wasn't just copying raw text and even though i pasted this text you know with um as text only it still carried those elements along which is really interesting i that is and, interesting and i, I would not i would not let you do that on the next channel <laughs> i know i and, and generally you know and of course generally again if i'd been in a bit more less of a rush i would have looked at it in html form and not just in in visual composing form it's in wordpress so i would have 
you know, whereas in our, on ours, when I'm looking at it, I'm only looking at the HTML, right, or something that's like, I forget what Drupal calls it, like simple HTML or something that's, or they call it XML. I don't know what it is. But anyway, you're looking at code. You're looking at markup. You're not looking at, at the... Uh, at oh, no, those are input formats. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's just, um, you have different options. You don't... Uh, WordPress is a little bit more user-friendly in many cases than Drupal because it doesn't out of the box give you quite as many options, which is why but Drupal does. And so we, we give our authors and editors the option to use WYSIWYG editors or not. So you're probably seeing the not. Well, well, you know, so what I, what I still do is I, um, I mean, our, our, our production chain right now runs through Jill. <laughs> Jill's yes. our managing editor and she, and so um, she's not going to let any of that of that extraneous format. Right, yeah, so she, you know, I mean, she will get rid of that. <laughs> she she does the copy editing of it, and and that's fine. And then I go in later and I look at it. But when I look at it in edit mode, I'm generally and it may be a setting on my side. Yeah, I'm looking at markup. I'm not looking at um, I'm looking at one of the markup options. I'm not looking at the WYSIWYG version, and um, which I prefer. I mean, I would rather look at I that. I prefer it. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's nice to toggle it if you can, you know, yeah. so you yeah. sort of see what the deal is. But um, uh, but it's, you know, but anyway, but but the point, the point I want to make is that we've made the way, we've made writing on the Web way too complicated. And um, and we've also lost along the way some of the simpler ways to use it. And. I'm thinking here of of Dave Weiner's early work with uh, with Frontier and Radio Userland, which were which basically is was a way to compose on the fly. I mean, it was WYSIWYG in a way, and you could look at it at the HTML too, as I recall, anyway. Uh, but it but it allowed you to kind of come at it the way you would with tweeting. You know, in other words, I'm just going to write some shit down and. And there, it just flowed. It flowed into the blog, and um, and that was really handy. It was really handy to be able to work that way. When I'm writing in WordPress uh, or in Drupal, for that matter, and in, in writing for Linux Journal, I'm writing a piece. I'm writing. I'm composing something, and that's uh, that's a very different way to write. And 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 I think that's one of the reasons why Facebook kind of and and Twitter won over blogging, uh, at least in terms of popular usage, because it's so much easier to write there. Uh, and, you know, where had Dave's stuff fully taken off, I think it would have been a different history, but it, you know, for whatever reasons, it, it, it didn't. Um, but the, you know, but that, that choice is, is gone. You know, it's, it's like, th there are no real easy, um, uh, I mean, if, if you go all the way back to the earliest graphics in computers, like like uh, Apple's original Mac, you know, was it MacDraw? Uh, it was Mac something. But anyway, it was, Paint? It was a, Paint? McPaint. Oh, that, or maybe Paint. that was Microsoft. Oh, I don't even remember. Apple, Apple it's had been McPaint. so long. There were Microsoft knockoffs, but they were, you know, but but early on, at least on, on DOS slash Windows and on Mac, there were, um, there were simple drawing programs that allowed you to create, 
you know, boxes and lines and circles and so forth and make them work. Uh, the, the, the simplest by far still to me is actually uh, PowerPoint. <laughs> PowerPoint has a really nice, simple drawing thing. And I, uh, you know, I, I, I don't use OpenOffice that much, I hate to say, but, um, but it's, you know, I'm sure it has a similar thing. Uh, but, you know, but we've, but in, well, as we've lost simplicity on the web, we've also lost a lot of our ability to see what's bullshit and what's not. So, which is one reason why it was so easy for this guy to create something that was completely wrong and evil, um, and creepy, uh, and for people to report on it without realizing that the entire business model that pays their salary is just as wrong and creepy as that is. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think that, I think you've, you've hit the heart of it really. I mean, I think, uh, like you mentioned in your blog post, there's a lot of deflection going on. It's, um, because it, like you say, this is maybe the best clickbaity story to have come along in ever. I don't know. I mean, well, it's pretty good. There was that Donald Trump peeing thing that was pretty great. But uh, yeah, well, and actually, we're we're talking on the day that Michael Cohen spoke in front of the U.S. Congress, and he had to like himself, um, you know, deconstruct something that was clearly clickbait, which is, you know, Donald Trump hit Melania in an elevator. You know, there there was apparently a story that went around that that said he'd done that, and Cohen had to say no, I wouldn't, he would never, you know, he would never have done that. And, uh, but that's, that's the kind of thing that a lot of people who don't like Trump, um, would like uh, to know was true, you know, that, 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 that would, you know, it would, would, would love to have heard that was true because it's one more way to screw Trump. Uh, anyway, but, um, I think there are, I think there are certain truths, right? There, there are, there's a lot of manufactured outrage on the internet. There's a lot, a lot of things that are designed to manipulate, uh, you know, we've 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 talked about uh, we've talked about the election manipulation. We talked about it with Kyle in a previous episode. Um, that suddenly people care, right? They care about their privacy once you're you're starting to interfere with things like that. Um, so you know, so there, there's a lot of manufactured outrage, but there are certain things that you, where you don't have to manufacture any outrage. They're outrageous. They are you know empirically outrageous, and so you know, and this is this might be one of them. You know when. And, but yet still, there is a lot of clickbaitiness around it. There is a little bit. Of, there's a little manufactured outrage on top of the the underlying empirical outrage. Um, and and I think the the issue really is that underneath all of the manufactured outrage is I is a bigger story that you're you've touched on, but maybe nobody else has. And that is, but, but why is this possible? It, it's not even complicated. This guy is not an evil genius. Um, no, no, he's, he's, a, he's just a guy he's, who's using tools that are readily available to anybody. Yeah. I mean, I, there is a perverse kind of genius to playing the, everybody the way he's played them. Possibly. Yeah. And I, and I still think it's entirely possible that the whole thing is not true. Is that I mean, and it's true in the sense that the website exists, but what they purport to do may not be true at all. I mean, in other words, they may not even be doing it. He may be just really good at at, at faking that up. But, um, but yeah, but I mean, the, the 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 real story is that it's too easy that that it's too easy to stalk people, 
is not only too easy to stalk people, it is made infinitely easy by the ad tech system, you know, which is you can put you you can you can stick cookies into people's browsers for things other than than the site's own purpose uh, to to recall state. You know, that's the whole purpose of the cookie in the first place, which is you show back up, they see it's you. Here's your shopping cart that you left last time. We know who you are. You're logged in. Thank you very much. You know, that's that's what that cookie does. Um, which is useful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so here's an interesting thing. Um, <clears throat> there's a, <clears throat> excuse me, there, there's a standards effort that um, I'm involved in and, and helps start for the IEEE on machine readable terms. And in other words, these are terms that you and I would proffer when going to a website or going about the world saying, um, for example, and this is the first term, uh, go ahead and show me ads, just make sure they're not based on tracking me. Uh, and um, there's a couple choices that we're facing in developing this standard for the IEEE and uh, so far in our discussions. And we had a very long one today. One is, we'll just take over do not track. Okay, just put something in the header, in the do not track header. So the do not track equals one rather than zero um, means that I have terms. And that means you would go say to customer comments, look there and see, oh, that term, that's the term I want to use. The other is actually to hack the cookies. And the way you do that, apparently, and I was, I'm not even that familiar with this, and you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but when you, when you arrive at a site, you actually present a concatenation of all of the text strings that are the cookies in your browser. And the site recognizes the ones it's interested in, or their third parties that are listening in on the line, uh, recognize the ones they're interested in, say, oh, this is Catherine, she's interested in roller derbies, and she's in some other things like that, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna auction her attention right now, and she's gonna get an ad for socks, or something, right, you know, and then that's, that's why the sock ad shows up there. Unless it's Facebook, in which case they've been following you and they know what your, all your interests are, and then they give you one for that. In any case, um, so what if you have in your, in other words, you have a hack on your own cookie string that says, um, I have already, not, you know, uh, turned down consenting to advertising, period, in, in a way that all of these sites will understand because they're all using the same back-end system. In other words, if you've hired a system that, um, I mean, and, and you'll notice this, you go from one site to another, and sometimes if you're bothering to dig into the consent wall and see behind where it says, please read our privacy policy and please look at our terms, um, or or better yet, if you see an ad, that you see an ad, there's that little tri that little blue triangle and you click next to it and or on it, and, and it brings us something called ad choices, and then you remember your ad choices. And... And well, then your ad choices are remembered to some extent by a cookie that you've acquired when you have said, I don't, I want to opt in or out of these things. Well, what if you've opted out of, out to one of them and you present that same cookie everywhere you go? Well, you can have a hack on your side that will say to these systems, I have, I have already unconsented to uh, being followed by you guys. That's that's an option. That's a doable thing. And in, and in fact, we had a, um, a session at MIT last summer to go over this, and there are some people working on it. Uh, I think it's a pretty low-level effort at this point, but um, but some people are. Is is it, do I have that right? Do I, is 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 that a good enough understanding of how cookies work when when you arrive at a website? 
that they set a little text file on your computer? Yeah, basically. Well, that's what they set a text file on your computer. But if you show up at example.com, um, you kind of barf up all, you know, like a concatenation of all the cookies you've got. Um, and they listen for the ones that are meaningful to them. Is that right? Uh, to an extent. I mean, I think it, it, it all depends on, oh, God. I, 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 or maybe, <laughs> maybe there's a query. Is there a query on the in the dialogue that goes on behind the scenes that you don't see, that the user doesn't see, between the site and the, um, and the browser? Uh, it is, depends on what the site is using. depends okay. on what tracking. The, at some level, most mainstream publishing or you know information sites that are ad supported they are all using some interchangeable tracking that is going to track you across the entire internet so at some to some degree yeah all of that information is available to everybody now yeah. does that mean it's available to every website you visit no but um yeah it's it's a really interesting thing because i think most most people, and I hate to admit it, even me, um, or maybe especially me, because I'm, I'm busy talking to some degree through my hat here, uh, um, you know, I, are, are pretty fully unaware. I I know, I mean, every so often I'll look in my browsers, and I use a number of them, uh, to see what what cookies I've got. And they're all buried way down there. And they're fairly obscure. It's pretty hard to tell in many cases what who they're from or what they're for. Um and and you don't always want to blow away all of them, right? Because well, geez, I just now I need to log into everywhere all over again, and I may not right. have you know my my login information. Um, well, but you use a password manager. I do, this. I do, and I and I, <laughs> I will be kind by not saying who they are because I hate them. Um, and but it's, it's it's my own fault too because I I you know, I have logged in. I mean, in many cases, it, it's busy remembering every dead one that I had before, you know, and, and it does this dumb thing where, uh, and this truly is dumb, where you, you, you have a failed login and then it asks, do you want to erase the login you've got? Or do you, you know, do you want us to remember this one? And I just failed. Don't you see that? I just failed. You know, don't ask me that, but it does that every time. So, and I don't know if the other ones do that as well, but uh, that one does, and it, it's very annoying. So here's a question. Do you feel like, since since we started this back in, in October, do you feel like anything's changed in the conversation around ad tech or privacy or digital sovereignty or any of these things that we've talked about? Yeah, they, they, they have. Um, not as fast as I wanted, um, but, but they have. I, I think that... that the biggest thing is that they're, you know, that the GDPR going into effect has had, um, has has had effects. I mean, and and the, the the biggest effect, of course, is that is it's caused consent walls everywhere, which I was assured by somebody who really knows their stuff this morning, are all bogus, are all wrong. They're all the letter and the spirit of the of the GDPR say that. You have to you have to be invited to be followed. Okay, I mean you, they're all wrong, and and but nonetheless they are there, and enforcement has been really slow to come, but it has shaken things up, and those things are still shaking. Yeah. Um, there was a there, hearing on Tuesday. There was just a hearing. Um, yeah, there was a hearing, and it was all the usual suspects rather than you know. Possibly I mean, nothing that's going to be helpful whatsoever. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I mean, and and and, and, and not asking, you know. 
I don't think anybody's written more about ad tech than I have. And I've not been called yet. So to me, they're all bogus. I mean, there are very few things in which I invest any vanity. Um, but that's one of them, you know, that I mean, I've gone out of my way to write everything I possibly can about this topic. And um, and I think I've written more. Well, because yeah, who well, was represented? Think about who was represented. The IAB was represented. The IAB, well, yeah, the Google EFF was represented. Sure. Amazon was yeah. represented. Facebook, Twitter, Verizon. They were yeah. represented, but yeah, people like you are not going to be represented because well, I think, wasn't somebody from the EFF there? I think somebody. Um, I'm not sure. I hope so. But the thing is that it's not the EFF's topic, and and that's not wrong. It's just like you know they can only be spread so thick. And um, I send the money. I love them. Uh, I I but I, it's not their topic. You right. know how many fights can they fight? Right? Exactly. Yeah. And they've got some good fights to fight. Um, you know, but but part of where I'm coming from is is not a place that the policy people like, which is I'd actually like to hold off on most laws. I don't want to see more privacy law um, as long as the people writing it don't know what the hell they're doing. And that's really important. I, I mean, if we get privacy law that's co-written by you know google facebook verizon and uh you know and and other usual suspects and not including apple i don't think apple was there apple should have been there i think uh and maybe they were and i don't know it but i don't think so and they tend not to participate in that kind of thing so um you know but i i should have you know some me or somebody like me you know uh yeah no they should call you you know, Augusta, uh, absolutely. Had on, you know, on uh, a couple of podcasts or two ago, would have would have been an ideal witness. He really, really, really knows his stuff. Don Marty, our former editor in chief, now with Mozilla, um, uh, could easily have talked there. Um, uh, there, you know, there are a number of people who, but not a large one, um, who could have talked there. Uh, uh, Jason Kinn of Digital Content Next, uh, who, who's, who's, which is the uh, Publishers Industry Association. He's pretty much a full-time enemy of Google and Facebook and doesn't deal with the rest of this in part because it's a third rail for him too. Um, uh, and he's told me that he doesn't want to, you know, bite the hand that feeds him. And that was good of him to be fully honest about that. Uh, you know, they haven't dealt with it. And that's that's one of the things that, that hasn't changed, but I think it will. I, I think it will. I think that they're I think people are becoming much more conscious in general. I think people being are being more creeped out than ever. Um, Facebook has a bigger taint on it than it ever had. Uh, there are people cutting Facebook off and um, and really, you know, or if they're st- staying on it, really riding their privacy uh, there. I'd love to know what Privacy Badger and Disconnect and Ghostry and a bunch of others that do tracking protection, how they're doing. Uh, and that would be really interesting to see. Uh, but I, but I don't know. I don't know how well they're doing. I, I think they're too hard for people to, in, to figure out and install. I think, you know, what, what the sliders do in, in Privacy Badger, not an easy thing to understand. Uh, uh, there's, you know, but, but I, but I, I hear the word agency being used a lot more. I hear the word sovereignty being used a lot more, as in personal sovereignty, not, not um, uh, sovereignty of a country, you know. But, but mm-hmm. there are personal sovereignty, the, the sense that we have a space around us that's ours, um, that that we need agency, which is the um, ability to act with effect in the world. That's what I've called it. But actually, a guy, uh, Gary Bowles, I'll give him credit, uh, an old friend, 
B-O-L-L-E-S, look him up. Um, uh, Gary Bowles said it's it's acting with the expectation of a positive outcome. And I think that's a really great way of putting it. I think we we need to be able to act online with the expectation of a positive outcome when we're moving around online. And and right now we have lots and lots of reasons to not expect positive outcomes around being tracked. Uh, and we need instruments where we do have that. Uh, and you know, so so we'll see. I mean, it's it's still too early. To, I mean, I've not seen any VC investment on, in going in this direction yet. Uh, VCs are still very much caught up in blockchain and stuff like that. Um, but but I I do see there's some good things happening with identity. Um, I think um, you know the, the notion that our our identity is self-sovereign is a very large one, uh, and and that's growing all the time. I, I we have a twice annual thing come uh, uh, the first next one's coming up at the end of April, first of May, uh, at the Internet Identity Workshop, which I've talked about here before. Um, self-sovereign identity kind of came out of that conversation there, um, and IBM is involved now. Some other big companies uh, uh, through the Sovereign Foundation um, and their code base called Indie, which is at uh, Hyperledger, which is at the Linux Foundation. It's basically a Linux thing, you might say, in the sense that it's kind of in the custody of the Linux Foundation uh, through Hyperledger, which is run by Brian Bellendorf, who is best known for his role, early role with Apache. Uh, Indy is is a code base that's being adopted uh, rather well by uh, a number of comp- a number of big companies uh, in, in uh, banking and in other things like that. So so there's some really positive um, moves there. And the important thing about that kind of identity is that um, it's your identity. I mean, it's you have your own identifier that can make a wallet possible. And into that wallet, you stick all the verifiable credentials that you can carry around and sh- and, and present on a need to know basis. If somebody needs to know you're over 18, um, you say, I'm carrying a driver's license that says I'm over 18. Not that I have this driver's license <laughs> with with, you know, these other details about myself, my eye color and my hair color and the rest of it. Um, you don't need to know that. You just need to know I'm over 18. And and that that kind of selective disclosure has been a dream for for uh, identity for a long time. And it has a real risk of, of getting somewhere. So and that's tied in. That's that's, you know, if we have a way of selectively presenting our identifiers that say nothing more than um you know, I am your customer. <laughs> you know, you don't need to know more than that. I, I'm your customer. I've been here before. I know I've been here before. I could show you I've been here before. I'm not going to say any, any more about myself. You don't need to know it. I mean, in much the same way that you, if you go to a store often, you know, even if you, if you go to the Starbucks down on the corner and they know that you're a Catherine, right? And I've seen you a bunch of times and, and maybe you've even given a, you know, a false name. You're just called yourself K or something they, like they that. They know what I like to drink and that's all they need <laughs> to know. <laughs> But they, yeah, exactly. They know what they need to know. Yeah. They and they don't need to know all this other stuff that we now know is actually becoming a toxic asset, um, or, or you know what, a, what one friend of mine calls the the uh, the radon gas of of uh, of the internet, which is personal data. Personal data is the radon gas. It's the silent killer. You know, you, you have a whole pile of it and you don't know what to do with it. You don't want to give it up. But you know what? It's actually makes you very liable. You know, you're a target. You know, you can get a big lawsuit if some hacker gets in and, and steals it all. 
um, and it happens a lot. So, you know, it, it is a it is a problem. So we're slowly seeing the the means for our agency being scaffolded up uh, again, not as fast as I'd like, but what the hell. Well, cool. Well, on that note, um, th- thanks for listening. Anyone who's <laughs> <laughs> so we do this, do we make this an hour, close to an hour? Uh, 45 minutes. That's, a really oh, that's, that's not too bad. We don't do we don't have to, yeah. yeah. So and, until next time, we'll, we'll dig, we'll dig a little, I, you know, I think this, some interesting things have come up that I want to follow up on and we've got to get you in front of Congress. So that's, if uh, well, it's, yeah. <laughs> I, no, I mean, seriously, that's not, it's not a fantasy of mine, by the way, to be sitting in front of Congress. But no, I, that's horrible. But. You know, but I, I would have loved to have been there today and saying, you, you, you and you, all of your businesses involve spying on us. Here's how it works. You plant a tracking beacon on me, something you would never do in the physical world, right? Somebody and, needs to say and that. it's not okay. It is okay. just not okay. Okay.